Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. I always like to be on my A-game um, whenever we uh, have uh, Easter, and so I looked in my book, uh, How to Be a Pastor for Dummies, and uh, I found that I'm supposed to tell a joke. So I have a joke. So I have a joke today for you guys. So this pastor was, he was, um, he was doing a sermon, and it was on loving your enemies. And so he was talking about how we should love our enemies. And he said, as a matter of fact, right now, how many people in here can honestly say that you only have 10 or fewer enemies? Stand up. And about 50% of the people stood up. He goes, okay, what about, how many people can say that you have eight or fewer enemies? And some of the other people sit down, and there were still about 25 people remaining. How many of you can say that you only have five or fewer enemies? And all people started sitting down everywhere. There were still about 10 people. And he said, how many people of you can honestly say that you have two or fewer enemies? And people sat down, and there were three people standing up. And then he said, how many of you can honestly say that you have no enemies. And everybody sat down except Miss Smith, who was in the very back. And the pastor looked back and said, Miss Smith, no enemies. And she said, That's right. And so she started making her way up there. And she was a very old lady. She was in her 90s. And she came up and she said, Miss Smith, can you tell these people here how is it that you've lived your life with no enemies? How do you live your life now with no enemies? And she said, I lived all the heifers. <laughs> I wasn't bad, was it? It was pretty good. All right. Hey, listen, I want to set the scene for you today. All right, let me set the scene for you. Um, we are looking at the events that happened uh, on Easter morning, uh, the resurrection that happened. But I want to set a scene for you that expands over that a little bit. All right? So I want you to understand what happened the week before and what happened during the whole week so that you'll fully understand what it is that Jesus did. And so before I do that, I want to tell you, here is our goal in this church. Our goal is this, okay? We want to, we want to help others experience God in real life. We want to help you and, and we want to help uh, other people experience God in real life. What does that mean? Let me tell you what it means. What it means is, is that we don't just want to come here on Sunday morning and have a worship service and then leave. I want, I want what is said here today to impact your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, your Thursday, your Friday, your Saturday. Because God is an everyday God. He's not just a Sunday God. Are you with me? And so I want to, I want to have it impact you. So I want to impact your marriage and your finances and every aspect of your, your work life, how you treat other people, how you drive down the street. That's a big one. I want it to impact every aspect of your life. And the scripture says that it holds the answers to those things. So if it holds the answers to those things, surely, surely we can experience God in real life. And that's what the church is all about here. That's what the church is all about. So let's dig into this and let's see how we can do it. So you have to know that Jesus made his way up. He made his way up from Jericho. Now Jericho is important because the priest would go from, it, from Jerusalem down to Jericho 
and back. And so Jericho had a lot of religious people in it at the time. But he made his way through Jericho on the way up to a town called Bethpage, which was about a mile and a half outside of Jerusalem. Jesus did not come into the city and stay there. He actually came into the city and then he would withdraw out. And he did that over and over and over again throughout the week. He did. We know last week was Palm Sunday, and what we celebrated on Palm Sunday and what they celebrate on Palm Sunday is the time when he decided finally he would go into the city and he would do it as a humble servant. Not, not with fanfare, but he would do it as a humble servant and he would do it riding on a donkey. We know that. And we see that people laid down palm branches representing royalty. They laid down palm branches and he went in. That was Palm Sunday. He went into the, for the first time, for the first time into Jerusalem, knowing what he was going to have to do, knowing what the outcome was going to be. Jesus did that. Now let me tell you what Jesus didn't do. Jesus didn't say, hey, go get a donkey. They got the donkey. They came back. And he said, hey, listen. Uh, He gets up on the donkey. He starts riding and he stops and says, I don't want to do this. This is too much. This is overwhelming. He didn't do that. What he did is he systematically, in, on, on Sunday last week, and then Monday and Tuesday, and then Wednesday when he was betrayed, and then Thursday when he had the Last Supper, we see that he is intentionally making step after step after step after step. We see that he's intentionally going down the process to fulfill, here you go, I want you to catch this, to fulfill the mission that God has placed before him. Are you with me? He's going down the process to fulfill the mission that God placed before him. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. And so we see, we see what ends up occurring is Jesus ends up being betrayed. He ends up being, being wrongly accused. All of which he knew was going to happen, by the way. Wrongly accused. He ends up dying on a cross. And that's where we pick up in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. Do we have the scriptures, Lynn? We don't have the scriptures. You know what's funny? This is the only day I've ever done this. I don't have my Bible up here. (laughs) Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. Let me pull it up here. Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. Here's what it says. You guys are going to recognize this. Trust me. Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10 says, Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. And it says, Suddenly, Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10, Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, and this is what the angel said, Don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body is lying. Come see where it was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, here you go, here you go. 
And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave Galilee, for they will see me there. Leave for Galilee, for they will see me there. So what we see is, is we see Jesus having fulfilled his mission. We see Jesus having fulfilled his mission at the Resurrection Sunday. So this morning, what we celebrate is a risen Savior who has fulfilled his mission. Here, I got a question for you. What if Jesus had decided that the mission was too much for him? What if he was heading into town and said, I can't do it? What if he was going the next day and was going to teach in the temple and said, no, you know, I'm just not going to do that anymore. Now, we assume, we make an assumption that Jesus would do what he is called to do. We make that assumption. But if he was fully God and fully man, then he must have had some of the same things that we have, some of the same doubts that we have. But Jesus knew something that a lot of the disciples didn't know, and that was with the, a lot was at stake on Jesus' mission. A lot was at stake. People's lives were at stake on Jesus' mission. And today, what I want to tell you is, and I don't want you to miss this, I want you to hear this. Today, the same is true for you and for me. There is a lot at stake for us to walk out the mission that God has placed before us. There is a lot at stake. There is people's lives at stake. There's your own fulfillment at stake, your family's fulfillment, your family's joy. There's family trees that can be changed, all because and all waiting to see if you will walk out the mission that God has for you. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about maxing out your life for God. And it's one of the things that God's really been pressing on me lately, is maxing out your life for God. A lot of us want to beat around the bush a little bit with God, or we want to experience God on Sunday, but not, not Monday through Saturday. And here's what I want you to know. Jesus fulfilled the mission, and that's why we're here today to celebrate the mission that was fulfilled. But Jesus fulfilled the mission so that you can fulfill your mission. I want you to hear that. Jesus' mission was fulfilled so that you could fulfill your mission. How do we fulfill the mission that God has put before us? Well, let me tell you how we do it. The first thing we do is this, is we pattern our lives. We pattern our lives around Jesus Christ. We pattern our lives around the life of Christ. Now, I know no one else ever did this, but when my son was growing up, we put him in the back seat. He was about, I think it started about a little after one and a half or so. Started when he could start talking, one, maybe two. So here's what happens. And I know none of them ever had this situation, but we were driving somewhere. And, uh, you know, I, I've always been kind of active in the ministry. I wasn't full-time then, but we were driving somewhere. And uh, someone cut me off in traffic. All right. And uh, I may or may not have said something I shouldn't have said. Okay, let me just say that. My wife hit me. You know why she hit me? She hit me and she looked at me and she goes. And I was like, what? And she said, he's going to hear you say that. 
And then he's going to say that. He was going to pattern what I said. So I did what every God-fearing father did. I slowly put my eyes up to the little mirror that you have. And all the while prayed to God, Lord, please make sure he's asleep. Please make sure he's asleep. He wasn't asleep. He's been a potty mouth ever since. I'm just kidding. He's not been a potty mouth. Listen, you guys remember those times if you've had children when you had to watch what you say? You guys ever had those times when you had to watch what you say? It's funny. There's a funny story. Um, uh, when I came down to Georgia and I was in full-time ministry, um, uh, Blake was in school and he was talking about, about dams, like waterfall, the dams that they build and waters. And, and Blake's mom tried to explain to him what the differences on the, in the two words are. Because Blake was convinced that you know, the dam they were talking about was a curse, was a curse word. And so Blake announces to his first grade teacher, my mom said that the dam we're talking about is with an M and the other one ends in an N and it's a really bad word. Said that to everybody in the class. I went to church with that lady. Uh, that was interesting. Yeah, we, are, we, learned, uh, we learned a cuss word on, on Tuesday from Blake. All right, well, thanks a lot. Uh, let me pray for your kid, right? You know how kids mimic us? Can I tell you guys something? That's the same thing that God wants us to do with him. You see, we're to parallel our lives. We're to, and I like to use this word, we are to align, align our lives with the life of Jesus Christ. Way back when, they had these bracelets. It says, WWJD. What would Jesus do? And let's be honest, they were a little corny. But it was true. What would he do in this situation? What would he do in that situation? You know, I've noticed two things about Christ, and you can write this down if you're taking notes. There's two attributes that are characteristics of, of God and of Jesus Christ's life, and it's being humble and being obedient. Do you know that he could have made a grand entrance? He could have called down angels to go around him, and it could have been the greatest spectacle that ever lived, but he didn't do that. He just went in the city on a donkey. And Monday he could have made another spectacle and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday when they were going to crucify him, uh, you know, Thursday evening, Friday morning they were going to crucify him. He could have done all these things. He could have called down the legion of angels. As a matter of fact, someone even said, why don't you do that? They mocked him in that. And that very person could have dropped dead right then. All he had to do is, is, is say it. He didn't do any of that. Why? Well, because he was humble. And the second part was because he was obedient. 1 Samuel 15.22 says this. 1 Samuel 15.22 says, But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, the burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? I want you to hear this. The obedience to his voice. It says, Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. And he says this. I want you to understand something. I would rather you be obedient and humble to me than I would for you to try to offer me something. Be obedient to me. The same thing is in James 4, 6. James 4, 6 says, And he gives grace generously, as the scripture says. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the 
humble. What is grace? Grace is that stuff in the middle between what you were supposed to do and what you ended up doing in the middle there. That's grace. Grace is right in the middle. It's that portion in there. Grace is how much you need for a particular day to get through a day. He devies out that grace. That's what that is. And he gives grace to the humble. Proverbs 18, 12 says this. It says this. It says, haughtiness goes before destruction, but humility precedes honor. It precedes honor. I want to tell you something. I have never in my life regretted being humble and obedient. Now listen, I have regretted letting my anger get out of control. And I have regretted being pompous. And I have regretted being sarcastic. And I have all these things I've regretted. I've never once regretted being humble and being obedient. I've never, ever done that. I want you to think about something for a second in your everyday life. Your everyday life, if you were to be humble and obedient, how much of your everyday life sin would go away? How much? Can I tell you that almost every sin that we commit, almost everything all goes back to whether or not we're humble and obedient? It does. If you could eradicate all, if you could, if you could get those two things down, it would take the place of a lot of things that we experience in our life. It would. We are to mirror, we're to mirror our lives and pattern it after Jesus' life. But here's the second thing we're to do. Jesus fulfilled his mission and he wants us to do the same. Jesus got on that donkey and rode into Jerusalem. He cleansed the temple. He, he was betrayed. He, he had the last supper. He was falsely accused. He was crucified and died. Three days later, he rose again. And he chose to go through every single one of those things. He did. He made our mission possible with his mission and his sacrifice. He fulfilled his mission, and he wants you and I to do the same. So here's my question. And I have to be transparent with you and tell you that this is one of the most frustrating parts of being a pastor is that oftentimes as a pastor, what we have to do is, is we have to untrain a lot of people that come to the church because they come to the church broken and they come to the church with no belief in themselves and they come to the church being, being hurt or being, being um, uh, damaged is the wrong word, but they come broken because of things that have happened to them and things people have said to them, and what they've experienced in their whole life. And so what happens oftentimes is that the people that come oftentimes, and the people that are here maybe even today, they can't fulfill their mission that God has for them. They can't do that. They can't do John 10.10, which says, I want you to have life and have it more abundantly. They can't do that, because all they are dealing with is the stuff that they play. I've, I've skipped this example before, but you know, back in the day, back in the 80s, I don't know anybody else ever did this, but I had a boom box about the size of, you know, this stand. It was a big old radio, you know what I mean? And it had a cassette tape player in it. And I would play these cassette tapes over and over again, and I knew them by heart until you would always hear that you start playing the tape and it'd go, and you knew you were messed up, then you had to get the pencil and fix it. You know what I'm talking about? And so, but I would have these cassette tapes playing. 
And I'd listen to them over and over and over again. And I've told you this before, but when we continually play tapes in our mind of what people have said to us, what people have done to us, all of those things in the past, when we do that, that is a tape player that's going on constantly in our mind. And we have to have the ability to turn those things off. And I want you to know something. Because of Jesus' fulfillment of his mission, because of his fulfillment of his mission, we have the ability to cut those things off. You may be asking, well, what are you talking about? Like, what are some things, what are some things that, 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 that we, we struggle with? Well, the first thing I would say is, is this. I have met so many people who are so gifted and so talented, who have been so blessed by God, but they have so much self-doubt that they can't get out of their own way. They have so much self-doubt they doubt themselves to the point because they, they think that just because mama said something or daddy said something or my, my friend in college said this or someone else said that, that I can't do what I know in my heart I want to do. They doubt themselves. And because they doubt themselves, they end up doing the next thing. And that is having a fear, having a constant fear of messing up. That's what happens. That's what happens to a lot of us. And so what we end up doing is we end up not living a fulfilled life. We do. How do you think, John 10, 10, how do you think when it says the enemy comes to kill, uh, steal, and destroy, how do you think he does that? I'll tell you how he does it. By making you believe that you're less than what Christ had for you. That's how he does it. By making you believe that you're less than that. By making you believe that you can't do certain things by making you believe that what someone said about you is actually true and you're never going to measure up and you're only going to go to this certain level i want to tell you today that that's simply not true that's simply not true because no matter what anyone else said you and christ are a majority and you can you can pair up with jesus christ and then you can start doing things that you never thought that you could do one of the most frustrating things I hear sometimes, especially people who have anger problems, is, well, that's just who I am. Well, it may be who you are, but it's not who Christ wants you to be, okay? Or maybe they're rude. Well, my mama was rude, my daddy was rude, grandpapa was rude. It's just a family gene. No, it's not a family gene. No one, just, no one, never, let, no one ever let Christ intervene is, is the issue because that's not who Christ wants you to be either. And you don't have, here's the cool thing about Christ, you don't have to do it on your own. You don't, but we do have doubts and we do have fears and we have those things and we allow those things to take away. I want you to know something. The people that Jesus chose to do ministry with, the 12 disciples were screw ups. I want you to hear that. They were screw ups. They were, you know, you had one guy who was so, he was a zealot. He wanted to go around killing everybody that disagreed with him spiritually. All right. And then you had other people that were fishermen and that's basically just all they could do. And, and, you know, I mean, we could go on and on and on. It, it, one, we have tax collectors, and you just go on and on of all the people that he surrounded himself with. I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but the people that Jesus chose to do ministry with were the lowest of the low. Do you know why I think he did that? I think he did that because of this. I think he wanted us to know that he could take the lesser and have them become the greater. Because those same names that we see that walked around with Christ, those same names are the very reason why you and I are here today and why we have this thing called the Bible and why we have this thing called the church. How did he do that? Well, all it took was someone's, someone's availability and Jesus' ability. 
and put together. You get to change a life. And so what I'm telling you today is this. I don't want you to live any less than what God has for you. I don't want you to be any less than maxing out what he has for you. The scripture says everyone has gifts. Everyone has talents. And you may be thinking, well, man, I've been wondering why I just don't feel fulfilled. And I've been wondering why I don't, I don't. Well, here's the thing. Are you connected with Christ? Are you connected with Christ? Because here's the final thing I want you to know. His resurrection allowed for us and it made way for your resurrection. His resurrection made way for your resurrection. Resurrection from what? Resurrection from mediocrity. Resurrection from fear. Resurrection from shame. Resurrection from guilt. Resurrection from failure. Fear of failure is one of the biggest things that I hear all the time from people. I hear all the time, well, you know, I'm just, they won't move because they're stiff because they don't want to fail. But here's the great thing. If Christ is with you, you shouldn't have a fear of failure you should have a freedom of failure. I want to say that again. You shouldn't have a fear of failure. You should have a freedom of failure. How many of you have children and whenever they start trying to walk, they fall and you guys go, well, that kid ain't ever going to get it. I know he's one and a half, but he keeps falling everywhere. Gets some mad. He's in there crawling around. I guess he's going to crawl around the rest of his life. That's what he's going to do. He's 30 years old, crawling up to the job interview, crawling to the car. It's funny, isn't it? We'd never do that. Why? Because we know better. We know that children need, they need to fail in order to learn and to get stronger and to grow. We know they need that. We know they do. Listen to me. You need the same thing. You are a child of God. You have the ability. You have the ability to fail, and it's okay. I heard a pastor say this one time, and I love it, and I've shared this once before with you guys, but Galatians 1.10, Galatians 1.10 says this. It says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servants. Let's go back to, uh, let's go back to 110 again. I'm not trying to win the approval of people. If you want to live a miserable life, try to win the approval of people. The prescription for a miserable life is trying to measure up to what someone else thinks you should be. Galatians 1.10, it's almost like a power source. You know, like the 110 power, the 110 power that you put in. So we, we got a new house, and, uh, and uh, I, uh, I, had, I had a power thing here, and I had to get this plug. There was a special plug um, that went on the back of the dryer. And it looked different than the other plugs. You know what I mean? It looked different. It was this three-pronged thing, and some of them were four-pronged, and it was kind of weird. 
And, it, and then they had this big old huge plug. And uh, I really, back in the day, I was like 27 years old. I didn't really know what that was. I'd never really noticed that. So I'm like, wow, what is this? And this guy said, well, that's a 220. I said, oh, yeah, I knew that. I have no idea what a 220 was. I was like, yeah, yeah, 220. And I came home and told him, yeah, we needed a 220 plug. She was like, okay, can I dry the clothes now or not? I mean, what's the deal? So she wanted to know. But I want to tell you this. Sometimes you need more power in your life to overcome things. And a lot of us try to operate off the 110. But 110 power is not what's called for. It's not. 110 power is not what's called for. People pleasing in your life is not what's called for. You know what's called for? 220. Galatians 2.20 says this. It says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The power that you need is not found in 110. You need something a little bigger than that. You need more of a jolt than that, okay? It's found in 2.20, Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. I have given up myself so that Christ can reign in me because I know that his resurrection, which is what we celebrate today, his resurrection is what made the way for my resurrection. Many people sitting here today have a BC, a before Christ life, and they could tell you story after story of what he's done for their life. I want you to experience what happened after you connected with Christ. And so what's my message today? My message today is this. What exactly are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? I know I'd gotten to the point when I was 17 or 18 years old that I was like, look, man, you know, I mean, I'm kind of at the end of my rope here. Uh, I, I don't see any other way. I don't see any other reason not to. What are you waiting for? What is it exactly that you have to lose besides a lot of the junk that people lay on you? What do you have to lose? We celebrate the resurrection of Christ because of what he did for us and because of who he is in our lives. And we celebrate it because we need the 220 power and we need to end the people pleasing. We need to end the fear of failure. We need to end all of the things that have, have given us and have held us back. I don't know about you. I want to max out for God. That's what I want to do. I hope you do too. Worship band's going to come up. I'm going to pray for us. God, we love you. Lord, let us max out for you. Let us max out for you. Let us literally throw ourselves into the deep end of the water. Lord, that's what my prayer is for the church to max out. Lord, we need, we need, we need you in our life. 
we look for you now. Thank you for your resurrection. Thank you that you've made a way for us. Let us embrace that. And let us experience you every day. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. The song we're going to sing is so true. And it's true for you and it's true for me. It's a song that talks about how, how Christ, he literally, he literally turns graves into gardens. A place that was dead to a place of life. That's what he's done for my life and I hope he's done the same for yours. Let's stand up and sing a final worship song. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.